Today on The Exam Room. Charlotte is wondering whether the absence of animal fats can affect skin oiliness and moisture. Animal fats and animal protein, they are more inflammatory. So they actually end up damaging skin. And it's not like if we eat these animal fats, they go to our skin and make it healthier. So there's no benefit to eating particularly animal sourced fats and oils. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us coast to coast and around the world in great cities like Yonkers, New York, Clearwater, Florida, and Montreal, Canada. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is Episode 5 of Season 7, number 504 overall. And, you know, it just wouldn't be right to wrap up our Heroes of Health series without covering one of the most requested topics on the show, and that is the skin. And so today, the secrets of healthy, radiant skin will become secrets no more, because today we are going to learn what to eat to look our best. And we're also going to be learning a new term. At least this was new to me. Inflammaging. Yeah, you heard that right. Inflammaging. And the person doing the teaching today, our tutor of skin health, Dr. Jessica Krant. She is a fantastic dermatologist based in New York City. She is also a friend of the show. And man, do we have a big old doctor's mailbag that is stuffed to the brim with questions to get your skin glow popping right off. So here's a little bit of a preview of what's to come today. Check this out. We are going beyond just the typical best and worst foods list, and we are going to be doing some deep dives to smooth out those fine lines. We have questions about spicy food and whether that can trigger skin conditions like rosacea and redness. And then Emily wondering what effect dairy has specifically on wrinkles and the texture of skin. And then for those plant-based skeptics among us, how does the absence of animal fat affect the moisture in our skin? Do we need that for moisturized, healthy skin? Cynthia is wondering about vitamin D and what influence that might have. Plus zinc, can that help with pimples and acne? And one that I thought was super interesting, Grace wrote in wondering about the temperature of beverages and whether that can affect skin health, the elasticity and dryness and moisture, whether a drink is hot or cold. What role does that play? We're going to find out. So that is really just starting things off because there is so much ground to cover today with Dr. Krant as we close out our Heroes of Health series this year. Plus, as if that weren't enough, we have another 5-4 coming your way. Carly Bodrug from Plant U is here once again. And Carly has, get this, five easy meals for making your life easier. How great is that? Carly Bodrug on the way, along with her brand new cookbook, Plant U Scrappy Cooking. So five easy meals for making your life easier coming up on 5-4. So let's get started. Let's jump right in. First up, Dr. Jessica Krant and healthy, radiant skin right now 
on the exam room. Thanks for being here and Happy New Year, Dr. Krant. Oh, Chuck, what an honor. I'm so excited to be here with you and all of your wonderful audience. So thank you for having me. It's really my honor, and I think this is kind of the perfect way to wrap up our Heroes of Health series this week as we begin 2024. We've talked a lot about different parts of the body, total health, but a lot of people also, they want to feel their best, but obviously they want to look their best. And that is why I think you were the perfect person to field these questions today. So what I want to do is just kind of a massive grab bag or doctor's mailbag style show. We have so many questions from people who wrote in when I said, hey, we've got Dr. Krant coming on. She's a dermatologist. Send me your questions. You should have seen what happened to our servers. They basically exploded. They had a full-blown meltdown. They couldn't handle the volume of questions that came in from exam roomies. So I hope you are ready. Well, Chuck, you know, what drew me to lifestyle medicine and just made it so exciting to be able to be a dermatologist learning about the six pillars of healthy lifestyle and how they impact the skin and then bringing what my knowledge to my patients and my friends and my audience is that everybody of course wants to look our best but when i teach about how to do that i know that i'm also teaching literally the same things that we teach about brain health, about bone health, about heart health and gut health. So for me, it's great to be able to have fun talking about looking good, but knowing that I'm really teaching everybody also how to feel our best, be our healthiest, reverse and prevent chronic disease and live our best lives. And I want to know about how you stumbled into this arena. We're going to weave in your story as we go through these questions. But let's go ahead and open up the doctor's mailbag and grab this very first question from Dina, uh, who is wondering, Dr. Krant, she may be a, a fan of yours. I don't know if she's a, a part of Plant Powered Metro New York. We, we did the event up there in November together. Um, but she's a fan of yours, and she wants to know what foods are on Dr. Krant's must-eat list for good skin health. Um, you mentioned Plant Powered Metro New York. I am so proud to be on their medical advisory board. They've been doing amazing work, or actually internationally now. But I, I say like Dr. Dr. Will Bolsowitz, our, our favorite uh, gut health doctor, says eat 30 different plants. I mean, maybe a week, I don't know, a day eat as many different varieties of plants, nuts and seeds, fruits and vegetables, whole grains as possible, because that's really also true for the skin. The truth is we don't really know all of the micronutrients that are in our food. A variety is the key, but every day I try to make sure I'm just maxing out on fiber because insoluble, which is the stuff we can't digest, and soluble fiber, which is the fiber that the microbes in our gut like to eat. Um, those two work together to remove inflammation, to remove toxins, and to give us a healthy gut balance so that our entire body from the inside out, including our skin, gets the healthiest and our skin gets the best glow possible. So fiber every day, 
you know, up to 80% of our food and calories should have plenty of fiber. Brightly colored fruits, blueberries, strawberries have antioxidant power, have collagen building power. Uh, the cruciferous vegetables, the, the broccolis, the cauliflowers, the kales have vitamin D, calcium, and antioxidants, and so many minerals that we really need magnesium and all the other zinc, all the other minerals that go into healthy skin. Let me see, that's three categories. Um, <laughs> just go, you know, everything healthy fats, the uh, flax seeds, chia seeds, a little bit of avocado. I love avocado. So I could eat a whole avocado every day, but that could be high calorie for some people. And it just goes on. I got you. It, it seems like a lot of times when I ask those types of questions or somebody fills the mailbag with a question like that, it's really hard for you experts to pick specific foods because there's so many to choose from. And it all comes back to that V word that you used, variety. We want as many as possible. And would I be correct in assuming that's really where the biggest benefit comes is by having that big rainbow type of a diet where you have every color on your plate? Absolutely. We all, we all love to say eat the rainbow. And the reason is that although we love to study these micronutrients, individual vitamins, and you know, to ask what supplements we should be taking, the truth is that in food, we don't know it, we don't really know everything that's in there. There are things benefiting us in our plant foods that we don't even know are there. So it's important to not feel like we could eat, you know, the same five foods every day, think we're covering what our body needs and get away with it. So I say rotate seasonally, rotate weekly, and just keep it going. I like where your head's at. I like where your head's at, but nonetheless, we're going to kind of go against that a little bit and get into some specifics because uh, that's kind of where these questions are. So uh, we were talking a little bit about antioxidants, and that brings us to a question from Olivia, Dr. Krant, who was wondering, how does the intake of antioxidants in fruits and vegetables actually contribute to skin health? What's the connection there? Well, when cells get damaged, they they oxidize, which is just like what happens to silver when it tarnishes in room air. Um, for To us, that looks black when, when iron oxidizes and it rusts. So that sort of process is going on in our cells when there are inflammatory molecules, when there's, you know, even DNA damage in cell, cell breakdown products. Antioxidants try to slow down and fight that oxidative damage and reduce the production of what we call free radicals, which are inflammatory molecules that run around and, and damage our organs. So when we eat antioxidants and even when we even put them on our skin, it helps to fight that, that aspect of damage and cellular aging. That's just one of, one of the things that can happen with our, with our skin and our cells. But when we eat the brightly colored reds, oranges, yellows, there's a lot of antioxidants there and blueberries, also strawberries, raspberries. And it just, it think of it as, you know, rust proofing. 
Oh, I like that rust proofing. Um, let's switch over to Orange and take a question from Mason, who's wondering whether the beta carotene from orange colored foods like carrots can contribute to a healthy and glowing complexion. Well, I love this question because this is really the secret food answer to what most people ask me about, which is retinol, uh, and the retinoids, the vitamin A derivatives, every, a lot, not everybody, but a lot of people now are becoming more familiar with the idea of an anti-aging skin product. And the most well understood one are the family of called retinoids, vitamin A derivatives, but the food version of vitamin A is beta carotene. And actually the carotenoids are an entire family of these molecules, the uh, beta carotene is only one of them. There are alpha carotenes and other carotenes in these orange, yellow, and red foods. And vitamin A derivatives and vitamin A in the skin help to direct the growth, the healthy growth of keratinocytes. Keratinocytes, you hear keratin, is the are the main cells in what we think of as our skin. We look at our skin, most of that is keratinocytes. The outer layer are a flatter, drier layer of keratinocytes, but the juicy epidermis is mostly keratinocytes and vitamin A helps the keratinocytes be juicy, grow in a, at a healthy pace in a healthy organization. And so it keeps the skin plumper, wrinkle-free, or reduce wrinkles, and also helps to reverse and prevent some sun damage that actually could lead to skin cancer. In addition, vitamin A and the retinoid family and the carotenoids in our food help to build collagen and elastin in the dermis, which is the layer below the epidermis. So it, it vitamin A, carotenoids, beta carotene, do, they do so many things for us. What are we, five days now into the new year? And I believe that you have coined the phrase for 2024, juicy epidermis. Impossible <laughs> to say without laughing, impossible to say without at the very least cracking a big old smile. Like I had to like mute my mic. I was laughing when you said that. I was like, juicy epidermis. We are on show number 505, I think. And that is the first time that has ever been uttered. Well played, Dr. Krant. Juicy epidermis. Oh, I like that. Let's get juicy. Let's get juicy. Holy God, we've got a new slogan for the show. Let's get juicy. I like where <laughs> your head's at. This is so long overdue. Uh, all right, let's stick with uh, orange kind of things here. Well, vitamin C anyway. Obviously, you can find that in a lot of different foods, but a lot of people go right to the orange where there is vitamin C. Ethan is wondering whether vitamin C can play a role in collagen synthesis and how that may affect skin aging. Right, vitamin C in, in citrus, in bell peppers is such a powerhouse for our skin. It is not only a, a very famous antioxidant, both when we eat it and when we put it on our skin, it does help reduce sun damage directly and minimize sun damage. But vitamin C is also a cofactor because vitamins are really these little tiny molecules that we have named in cute ways, but they're really powerful, important parts of complex biologic systems that are going on all the time. Vitamin C is a cofactor 
in collagen production. And if we, we need to eat, I think, um, you know, this is a question I get asked all the time, Dr. Krant, what about collagen supplements? And I being 100% plant-based and vegan eater, I do not eat, you know, normal, regular marketed collagen supplements because they are from animal sources. But I do recommend researching what are all of the food ingredients and vitamins that, that we need in our bodies to make our own collagen. And one of the big ones is vitamin C. So it absolutely is a huge factor in making sure we can continue to build and make our own collagen because as we start to get older, we our collagen production rate decreases. So we have to really load up the system to get it to keep going. And that's a great segue to Emily's question. You mentioned eating a 100% plant-based diet, like a lot of the exam roomies listening and watching right now do. But Emily is wondering whether milk and cheese and dairy overall can have any kind of impact on the amount of wrinkles uh, and fine lines that we have in our skin. Dairy has not been studied a lot in terms of anti-aging directly. There aren't a lot of studies about that, but there are a lot of studies, uh, in, increasingly so, about the impact of dairy on skin health in general. And what we do know is that milk, cheese, butter, they increase inflammation in the skin and they increase molecules that trigger inflammation directly and indirectly. And, they, and it also blocks anti-inflammatory processes. So uh, a high dairy diet can, is proven to increase acne, it's proven to increase rosacea, and it does also show um, impact on other inflammatory and even autoimmune skin conditions like the, the really difficult and terrible condition of hydratinitis suppurativa, it has been shown to have some impact even on inflammatory skin conditions like psoriasis. So by extension, by extrapolation, we know that since dairy is proven to have caused so much inflammation, I am a firm believer, and I know there is already starting to be some proof out there that dairy does, cause, does increase the risk of inflammaging, which is <laughs> the aging that we create the excessive aging that we create when we have a lot of chronic inflammation. You know, we know that acute inflammation is helpful for wound healing and, you know, our bodies need it for getting back to homeostasis and, and health. But when inflammation becomes chronic and it stays in our body, it starts damaging everything. And dairy does contribute to that. Uh, you mentioned rosacea at one point during your answer. Let's take a question from Ryan who's wondering about that, not necessarily from dairy sources, but spicy foods and whether they can trigger conditions like rosacea or just general redness on the skin. Rosacea is a term for a complex collection of inflammatory conditions of the face. There are different types of what we call rosacea. I believe that they may be even slightly different conditions, but we call them all rosacea. One of the types of rosacea, actually all of them, are, are triggered and flared up by many factors and different factors affect different people differently. For some people, spicy foods 
create, you know, increase heat in our, in our bodies and in our skin and our faces are one of the places that we are able to expand our blood vessels and lose heat quickly. So spicy foods can contribute to the flaring of rosacea in some people. A lot, we used to think that caffeine did it, but it turns out that it may be the drinking of hot beverages. So hot temperature drinks may flare rosacea in some people. And similarly, exercise, being in a hot room, cooking, anything where the environment is hot, hot yoga can really be a, a flaring trigger for some people's rosacea. So all you know, we like we love spices because a variety of spices are are extremely antioxidant and uh, anti-aging even. But for for individual people, if you know that when you eat spicy food, your rosacea flares, it may be worth minimizing it. That is very interesting, uh, especially about the temperature of the beverage, because we have another exam room by the name of Grace who wrote in and was wondering about that. So if you were to drink, say, a cup of hot green tea, and then you would drink a glass of cold green tea, your skin could react to that completely differently, right? In the immediate um, time frame, the hot beverage could heat up your skin and Get, make you flush a little bit, get a little red. But in, I, you know, in the long run, the the antioxidants in the green tea would still have the same impact on your health, which is a good impact. In, antioxidants in green tea have been proven to reduce the effect of ultraviolet radiation, sun damage, and be generally anti-aging. However, we would ha we have to drink a gigantic amount of green tea to be able to actually see the impact. So it's just, you just know that it's healthy to drink it, but you, you can't really say I'm going to drink green tea every day and get younger. It's not going to be that visible. It's not that easy. Are you kidding me? If only it were. Um, but what about something like uh, soda? I mean, we, we love soda in this country, and I believe more and more people are gravitating away from the regular sugar soda and more toward diet beverages. It's kind of been that way for years. By and large, do sodas overall impact the way that we age externally, and are diet sodas even worse than that? I know this is kind of a curveball question. I'm pulling out of thin air, but it's worth wondering. Well, I can tell you for sure, 100%, no doubt, sugar sodas containing all that high sugar are terrible for our skin. And sugar is, is known and proven to be inflammatory. So the soda has so much sugar. And people who do drink soda may drink a lot of soda. And they may drink a lot of soda every day without realizing that the sugar, there's so much sugar in there, it 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 causes inflammation. It causes something called glycation, which is that with the impact of the sugar molecule itself, cross-links our collagen bundles and our elastin and makes them stiff and then they break. So it literally directly breaks down our collagen and our elastin. And sugar is, is bad for us in so many ways. However, artificial sweeteners, which will be what is mostly in the, the, the diet sodas, 
is terrible for our gut health and our microbiome and the balance of healthy microbes in our gut. There, I don't really remember the exact details of the science, but artificial sweeteners confuse our hunger hormone and our satiety uh, hormone signaling system, make us actually crave eating more calories. Excessive calories also leads to chronic inflammation and it disrupts our, our gut's ability to have a, a healthy anti-inflammatory environment. So I have switched to seltzers and just flavoring my plain seltzer with some just a drop of real fruit juice, you know, when I'm when I'm a little bored and want a little flavor. I really avoid all artificial sweeteners. Yeah, I, I, you know what I really like, especially in the summertime, is uh, just cut up an orange, put a slice of that in there with the seltzer. And to me, that is just about as refreshing as it gets and as simple as it gets. So easy, um, so easy to do. Um, let's take a question of, from Charlotte. Now, this is an interesting thing. And I'm wondering, let me preface this by just speculating that she may be wondering, like, because of the grease that comes in fat, whether or not that can actually be beneficial in some instances for keeping skin hydrated. Charlotte is wondering whether the absence of animal fats can affect skin oiliness and moisture. What do you think about that? There are so many questions inside that question. Let me see if I can think of everything I want to say. Um, we do need healthy fats in our diet. So we don't want to have a zero fat and zero oil diet, but we want to get our healthy fats and our healthy oils as much as possible inside whole foods that are intact and contain fiber, vitamins, and minerals. So I'm, I eat a low to as close to zero extracted oil diet as possible. Um, and I get all of my healthy fats and oils from plants. I eat a lot. I like avocado, nuts, and seeds. And that provides enough healthy fats and oils to hydrate skin. But it's true that having zero fats and oils, we would get dry skin, we would get dry hair, brittle nails, and you know, other internal processes would be really um, unhappy. I forgot the rest of what I wanted to say. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, it's like you said, there's just so much to, to unpack oh, there. I remember more. Okay. Um, animal fats and animal, usually come with animal protein. They are more inflammatory. So they actually end up damaging skin. And they, it's not like if we eat these animal fats, they go to our skin and make it healthier. So there's no benefit to eating particularly animal sourced fats and oils. Got it. All right. Uh, let's take a question from who's next in the wheel of good skin health. Cynthia uh, is wondering about the intake of vitamin D and how that might influence skin health. And yeah, I already have the follow-up in my, my mind, but let's just go ahead and talk vitamin D and skin health. What can you tell us there, Doc? One thing that people don't necessarily already know is that extremely low vitamin D 
which is a not only what we label it as a vitamin, but vitamin D really acts almost as a hormone in our in our bodies. But extremely low vitamin D can be a factor contributing to hair thinning. And you know, although we're talking about skin, dermatologists are also hair and nail doctors. So I do have patients who come asking for uh, help with hair. I'm not a hair expert, like some dermatologists really are hair experts. But oftentimes when I check my patient's vitamin D levels, they are below the accepted normal range. And we already know the low range of the low end of normal, most experts now think is not really even optimal. We want, instead of being around 30, we want to get our vitamin D levels to between 50, 70, something like that. So vitamin D is an antioxidant, like we've discussed. It affects hair growth. And it also can be a cofactor in, in collagen building and so many other things. It helps to reduce the risk of skin cancer and long list for vitamin D. And, and more is still being proven because a lot of claims have been made about vitamin D, but we're still finding out what is the reality that has evidence behind it. A lot of people will say, well, vitamin D, just go out and get some sunshine. But I know that a lot of dermatologists are leery about spending excessive amounts of time in the sun. Uh, what is the balance there? What is a safe amount of time to be outside with unprotected skin so our bodies can naturally generate that vitamin D without then risking long-term damage to the skin as well? Chuck, I do not think there is a real answer to that question. I think that this is one of the things in life we have to do our best to balance. And I am, I have mixed feelings about it. I, and I'm not somebody who says go out in the middle of the day for, you know, I mean, go out not in the middle of the day for 20 minutes with this percentage of your skin exposed, and you will create the perfect amount of vitamin D for your life. We can't possibly know that. So I recommend vitamin D supplementation um, generally, vitamin D3 these days, and for people who are plant-based and vegan, there are there is a vegan source. It, it comes from lichen, which is like a that little flat and maybe very colorful thing that looks like fungus on trees. It's not actually fungus. It's a whole animal. It's a whole not animal. It's a whole sort of kingdom unto itself. Um, that's lichen. That's the vegan source. But I also am not somebody who says never let your skin see a ray of ultraviolet light. And I was going to say radiation because it really is radiation because I want people to be outdoors and I want people to be active. That is a whole pillar of lifestyle medicine, you know, sitting inside to avoid the sun, only running in the dark, always walking in the shade. I, I think I, my instinct is you know, we were born and created to have some sun in our lives. So I really advocate for do not get sunburned. Check, get skin checks regularly with your dermatologist to make sure any issues are caught early. If you care about aging, sunspots, wrinkling, and looking older than you are later in life, you do have to really take sun protection seriously. But I, I am more concerned about skin cancer coming from excessive sun exposure. Where I, where I fall into all of that, 
I'm not sure yet because there is a there is some science which is very interesting that I'm looking more into about the benefit of sun exposure for our immune systems and for regulating the risk of autoimmune disease. So overall, jury is still out, and I think that it's a very important topic. Let's uh, talk about omega-3s here. We haven't really done too much with that. Janet is wondering, uh, because we had that question earlier about moisture in the skin coming from fats, well, Janet is wondering specifically about the effect that omega-3 fatty acids have on the moisture of the skin. Do you need a good amount of omega-3s to prevent drying of the skin, Dr. Krant? We need a good amount of omega-3s for everything. So I really am a, I'm a big advocate of flax seeds, chia seeds, the, all, the, all the nuts and seeds to get our omega-3s because eventually those molecules do make their way to the skin and we need our skin to produce its own healthy barrier. And the combination of the natural moisturizing factors and the acid mantle keep our skin pH low, which keeps it inhospitable to pathogens and infections and keeps the pH at a healthy balance to allow all of the skin functions to work well and keep the barrier intact, which allows our skin to be a filter, keep the bad stuff out and let the good stuff in. In a, an example of a condition like rosacea, with that inflammation, the acid mantle is damaged and the barrier is damaged. So in addition to being naturally inflamed internally, that since the barrier is broken down, anything we put on our inflamed skin stings and makes the inflammation and the barrier damage worse because there's no filter. So everything gets in to where it's not meant to be and irritates everything. It's a vicious cycle. Omega-3s are super important for the skin. Right. Uh, acid mantle, that's a term that hasn't come up too frequently on the show. For those of us who aren't familiar with it, can you define for us what that might be? Well, I think of mantle in this in this phrase uh, in the sense of it being like a coat. So I mean like uh, the old, very old-fashioned term of mantle, a covering, mantle over the fireplace is a, a, a layer over the fireplace for protection. And, and that's what it means in this case. It's just a and acid meaning that it maintains a relatively low pH, that that acid base balance that we remember from high school chemistry. The skin interestingly, and you know, the stomach has a pH of two. That's a very acidic pH. It helps us break down our food. The skin does not have a neutral pH of seven. It has an, a more acidic lower pH. And that, like I said, helps to kill off the some of the bad pathogens like for example staph staph aureus staph staph infection can take root more easily when the skin's ph is off when the skin's ph becomes too neutral or the ph goes higher it's easier for our bacteria that don't belong there to set up shop one of the treatments is actually to use products to repair the barrier and lower the skin pH to help our own skin fight off the, the pathogens like staph. 
All right, look at you, man. You're on top of that. Uh, let's talk about pimples and acne. Always a big concern. Sophia is wondering whether zinc might be helpful for fighting off pimples and acne. Zinc is a is a really important uh, and great mineral that helps the skin uh, of the whole body, but especially of the face. It's it's an ingredient in a lot of our cleansers and skin products. Zinc cream can help acne and zinc can also help rosacea. It can also help seborrheic dermatitis, which actually we haven't talked about yet. Seborrheic dermatitis is extremely common, especially these days. And it is the medical term for what we think of as dandruff. And everyone's used to dandruff being something on the scalp, but not everybody realizes that when we get that flaky redness around our eyebrows, around the nose, chin, beard area, mustache area, and even inside or behind the ears, that's also seborrheic dermatitis. And it's basically dandruff of the face and zinc is really helpful in that situation. Good to know. All right. So here's another wild card. My wife just texted me. Uh, she said, you're talking to that dermatologist today. I say, yeah, Dr. Krantz. She says, okay, I would love to know how to control the sebaceous sebum in the T-zone. Now, those are two words I've never heard before, sebaceous sebum. Uh, so one, what is that? And uh, just so I don't have to sleep on the couch tonight, any ideas on how she might be able to control that, Dr. Krantz? Well, Chuck, since you had no idea what those words were and what question you're asking me, it is kind of miraculous that you asked me that right after what I just said, because the sebum, which is our, our natural, natural and healthy skin oil that's in our pores, on our face, on our faces, um, and sebaceous is really the adjective form of sebum. So sebaceous means sebum producing, um, means kind of oily. Right on. Um, you did not know. I did not were, have a clue. <laughs> you were asking me a related question. The T zone. You know, we we all we all old er folks know what the T zone is because that was a marketing term that was invented probably in the seventies or eighties to sell acne products on TV. But what she means is this, the forehead and then the down the middle, in case anybody wasn't sure, that's, that's what that means. This area and then right down the middle is an area of our face that does contain more sebum, more sebaceous uh, glands, which are the glands that, are it, that feed into each pore and each pore, little gland opening, ha produces a little oil. If we didn't have that sebum, our skin would be cracking, dried out, and peeling. So we love our sebum. We want it to be healthy. But different factors can create more or less in some people. Now, people who eat dairy, it is proven that dairy consumption increases sebum and oil production of the face. So if you want to decrease some of your own natural oil production, cutting out dairy may be helpful. If you already don't eat dairy, the, these are areas that are really affected by hormones and genetics. So some people just produce more oil naturally. Good news for those people is that people who do tend to have oilier faces and 
larger sebaceous glands have been shown later in life to produce, to have fewer wrinkles. So that's a, that's a good trade-off benefit. But right now we're talking about what we can do today. The treatments that help seborrheic dermatitis actually also help to reduce some of that sebum production. So zinc products and other rosacea treatments and seborrheic dermatitis treatments, even some acne treatments, including a healthy anti-inflammatory whole food plant-based diet can help to reduce some of the sebum production. Let me think if there was anything else I wanted to say. I'm sure there is. I'll think of it. <laughs> I mean, there's just so much to get to. I'll tell you right now, uh, I would definitely love to get you back here for a, a part two, a part three, a part four, a part five, uh, maybe even part of our new five, four series here on the show as well. Uh, you just clearly are a wealth of dermatological knowledge. Um, and it, it kind of shows because I'm looking at you and I'm like, I just don't see a single blemish on her skin. Like, has skin health always been something that you've been really uh, keenly interested in? Uh oh, you're outing me, Chuck. I mean, kinda. I don't know. I'm trying just to get to know you. You're, you know, let, let's play get to know Dr. Jessica Crant here. Why okay. not? When Dr. Crant was five years old, and people asked what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would say an orthopedic surgeon like my dad. So um, then I grew up and really became very interested in art, physics, robotics, computer science, and thought that I was gonna be an engineer. And then when I went to college, it that didn't really turn out to be what I wanted to be studying at the moment. And I thought, you know, I still all along thought I wanted to be a doctor and I really love working with people and talking to people and helping them every day. So I thought being an engineer or an architect, which was my other consideration, would be more lonely and I'd be alone in a room with a computer or a piece of paper trying to come up with these designs. I wanted to be helping people every day, all day long. So I went to medical school um, and was I just loved everything, honestly. Every month we would do a new rotation and I would think, oh, I want to do this. I just loved it. I just love the the bot the human body is so fascinating. And everything we know in in medicine is amazing. But in the end, for which is a whole other story, I decided to try to get into uh, be a dermatologist because I it you've probably heard my enthusiasm for the idea that everything that's happening on our skin is really related to what's happening inside. So that's what I love about dermatology is it's kind of one of the last old fashioned fields where I can look at you, I can examine you and I can talk to you. And if I'm good, I can find out what's wrong without having to do a lot of fancy tests. And I can also sometimes tell what's wrong inside without having to do any tests based on what I can see on your skin, with your hair, with your nails. And that's what really fascinated me about dermatology. From there, I actually did a fellowship in Mohs skin cancer surgery. So I'm a fellowship trained Mohs surgeon, but many jump ahead many, many years. And I wanted to be able to start to provide a more holistic type of a wellness. Um, 
and impact more people. I think that I love my day to day, you know, seeing one patient after another in the office, but I felt like I had a larger message that I wanted to share and more for another time, but that's what led me to lifestyle medicine and led me to life coaching and helping people know how to understand their own minds and create habit change and then keep it because I can tell you what to do all day long. I don't even have to tell you, you know what to do, but to come home every day and make those choices and do those things, that is a whole set of mind control, mind over matter, you know, mind over stress, mind over difficult relationships, um, mind over distracting things like having to take care of kids and take care of a whole family. That's the hard stuff is really doing it. You are incredibly intelligent. I can just tell by the fact that you have a passion for the arts. You're exceptionally creative. Uh, clearly, you are very talented in medicine and biology and anatomy. And uh, that to me means that you would dominate a game of Jeopardy. So I would definitely be scared to do that or even something like a game of pub trivia with you. I just I just think you are incredibly intelligent and it has been a privilege to speak with you for the past, oh, 41, 42 minutes or so. And I can't wait, Dr. Krant, to have you back on, but we got to kind of leave it at that for now. But thank you so much for your time and I wish you a healthy and a happy new year. And I just can't wait to pick up where we left off. Same here, Chuck. So excited. And thank you for having me. Dr. Krant is the best, and you can find a link to her website and social media accounts right now in the episode notes. And yes, Julie was thrilled. My wife, Julie, was thrilled with this interview, by the way. I mean, loved it, loved it, loved it, and I hope you did as well. Can't wait to have Dr. Krant back on the show. But right now, it's time to welcome back another friend to the show, Carly Bodrug author of the forthcoming Plant You Scrappy Cooking Cookbook. She is here with the second installment of our new segment that we like to call 5-4. So five things for a healthier you. And this time, Carly has five easy meals for making your life easier. <laughs> and really, who doesn't want that? Carly Bodrug from Plant You, the forthcoming Plant You Scrappy Cooking book coming out April 2nd. Glad you're here because I have the perfect topic for today. We are all in a time crunch, Carly, so my challenge to you today is to come up with five easy meals for making our life easier in the kitchen. I'm up for the challenge, Chuck. My number one weeknight meal that I throw together is typically a tofu or tempeh stir fry. This is where you take any of the vegetables in your fridge. I like bell peppers, broccoli, and carrots. You take tofu, you saute that up in a stir fry pan or a wok, make a quick sauce out of soy sauce, ginger, garlic, maybe a touch of maple syrup and serve it over brown rice or quinoa. It's delicious. It's quick. It's easy. It's healthy. Number two, we've got a tahini nourish bowl. 
this is one of my go-tos that I'm absolutely obsessed with all fall and all winter. So what I like to do is put sweet potatoes, um, maybe some sauteed kale and bell peppers on a sheet pan and pop that in your oven, cook up some quinoa or rice, and then whisk together a quick tahini sauce. I just use tahini, lemon juice, a touch of maple syrup, some water, and drizzle that over your vegetables and your rice. It's to die for. Number three, we're going to go black bean and vegetable tacos. I'm a huge fan of black beans. Just fill up corn tortillas with seasoned black beans and a medley of whatever sauteed vegetables you got on hand, onions, bell peppers, zucchini. Top that up with fresh salsa, guacamole. I like to use plant-based yogurt in place of sour cream. It's delicious. Uh, number four is a curry. We're always, we have a curry at least once a week in this house and we usually call it clean out the fridge curry because we're using, again, whatever we got on hand. One I really like for protein and fiber is a lentil curry. So I just cook up red lentils with a mix of vegetables, cauliflower, spinach, tomatoes in a sauce with coconut milk, curry paste, garlic and ginger. Serve that over rice or quinoa or even as a soup with some bread. You've got a delicious meal. Number five, it's a roasted vegetable and hummus wrap. We make this all the time. I just like to, again, pop your veggies in the oven, eggplant, bell pepper, zucchini, spread out a whole grain wrap, pop some hummus over top, put those veggies in, little greens like arugula or kale, roll it on up, delicious, easy, plant-based meal. You can even serve it with some soup. I love butternut squash, and it's so good. Clean out the fridge curry. I love that idea. It's so important just to do a good old-fashioned fridge cleaning from time to time, right? Because we were previously talking about in another 5-4 about reducing food waste. And it just seems like before everything's ready to be tossed, why not toss it in a pot instead and make something yummy with it before it's, uh, before it's too late? I love that idea. You know what I always say about plant-based cooking is the stakes are low. It's not like you're cooking meat and something's going to get undercooked or messed up you can use just about any vegetable in any of those recipes i just rolled off and it, it it will taste delicious just out of curiosity it seems like the majority of these come together pretty quickly as well you wouldn't have to be investing a lot of time in the kitchen either so sure they're easy but they're fast too right yeah some of these uh, like a roasted vegetable and hummus wrap you can throw that together in 15 minutes so yeah very quick very easy and super super nourishing Five, four. Carly Bodrug does it again, and her next book is coming out April 2nd. Save the date, mark the calendars, pre-order today, though. Plant you, scrappy cooking, 140 plant-based zero-waste recipes that are good for you, your wallet, and the planet. Carly, thank you as always, my friend. Thank you, Chuck. Plant You, Scrappy Cooking, coming soon to a bookstore near you. But why wait? Pre-order your copy today. There is a link to do that in the episode notes. The recipes in that cookbook are just going to be off the charts, by the way. So good. But so are the ones that she shared with us on the show during 5-4. I mean, the tempeh tofu stir-fry, hello, tahini nourish bowl, get on board with that, black beans and veggie tacos, Heck yes. Then the clean out your fridge curry. This is just brilliant. Clean out the fridge curry and then rounding it out with a roasted vegetable hummus wrap. I mean, you just can't go wrong with any of those five. You just can't go wrong with any of those. So more five, four to come in the new year and maybe some exclusives 
for our exam room VIPs as well. So you can become a VIP today for free. Log on to pcrm.org slash exam room VIP. And not only could you get access to the five fours if we put some exclusively out for VIPs, but what you will get is early access for sure to our premium interviews with some of our top tier guests. You'll get to hear them two weeks before anyone else. Also, exclusive pre-sale ticket opportunities for our big live shows. We've got one coming up in the spring with Dr. Barnard as he gets ready for his new book release, The Power Foods Diet. We've got a big event coming up in Washington, D.C. But best of all, your membership, VIP style, of the exam room. It supports our mission at the Physicians Committee of making the world a healthier place. We are touching lives around the globe with our groundbreaking research and education. We are making health possible for millions, and that can only happen with your support. So please become a VIP for free today at pcrm.org slash exam room VIP. And that's going to wrap up our Heroes of Health series. And if you missed any of our episodes, you can go back on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your shows and check them out. Dr. Barnard was here to kick off the new year with us January 1st with five foods for weight loss. And then Gemma Newman, Dr. Gemma Newman, six healing habits to get well and stay well. Dr. Will Bolsowitz, optimizing your 38 trillion gut microbes. That is an awfully big number, my friends. Dr. Joel Furman on the last episode, resetting your relationship with food. And of course, today, Dr. Jessica Krant, radiant, healthy skin, what to eat to look your best. Plus a little bit of help from our friend Carly Bodrug, plant you scrappy cooking coming your way. What a great way to start the year. What a great way to start the year. So make sure that you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows, subscribe, follow. That way we can send these to you right away. You will never have to miss an opportunity to raise your health IQ. And for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to Dr. Jessica Krant and Carly Bodrug for being here and raising our health IQs and helping us put the bow on our Heroes of Health series. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based. <laughs>